Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 26th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHits.com. This week on the podcast, we have some trade rumors swirling in Pittsburgh about the player that nobody wants to play for the Penguins anymore. Jack Johnson. Or anybody else. Or anybody else, from the looks of it. <laughs> um, not only uh, you getting some buzz within Pittsburgh, but Darren Dreger kind of uh, pouring some gasoline on it from a international standpoint. Uh, we have some big-time RFA signings. Braden Point and Matt Kachuk. Also, big trade, defending Stanley Cup champs. Uh, finally... Carolina has traded Justin Falk. We'll talk about that. Uh, and amongst other things, we have some listener questions that have been sent in, and we will address those as well. But uh, leading off, so Pittsburgh is technically 331,000-ish over the cap. Ish. <laughs> I love that ish. They're over the cap technically. They have until about a week from now to be compliant uh, you can go 10% over during the summer. They're not 10% over, but the summer is ending. And um, the regular season games are going to be starting soon. So they got to do something. There are multiple options. We will get to the Jack Johnson trade rumors. But if you were to assume nobody wants him, which they probably don't want him. They want the sweetener of whatever potential trade um, is being made. What what could they do to maybe get cap compliant? Well, they keep. Oh, this is so frustrating at times because this is a problem they didn't have to put themselves in. There's, there's heaps, like somebody asked a question about do they add a first to try and get rid of him? Okay, so we're already answering uh, listener questions. Let me pull that yeah. one up. Uh, let's see. Unless you got it. No, no, I, I had it here a second ago. I was literally reading it. That's what made me think of it. Oh, come on, where is it? Oh, here we go. Is Eric Bruckner? Okay. Would you include a first to move JJ? Bruckner, 724. Yeah. And, and you, you sit there and it's like, it was the one after it from Sean Rogan that said, no, buy him out or send him to Wilkesbury. You can't buy him out. I don't think you can out. send him to Wilkesbury. Yeah. Or, because it's, what, he's over 35 or something, isn't he? Uh, he, he plays like it, but he's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, no, here's the deal how... with the, all of that. Um, first, you can't buy him out. There's only that uh, two windows in the off season in July. or may, Maybe there's one in June, one July. Any, anyways, there are two options in the summer. They decline those. So for all those these people, just buy him out, buy him out. You miss that window. They chose not, not to, to take happen. action. I don't want the dead cap space sitting on... I don't want that. I'm glad they didn't put it that way. Okay, and that's fair. Um, I, too, probably would have not done that as well. I think I actually, on this podcast, and wrote about how um, I would have, prior to the summer, traded their first-round pick, which was Sam Poulin, to get rid of Johnson. The reason I would have traded that first-round pick in June was with the mindset of freeing up cap space so you could do cool shit in the summer. The summer's over. <laughs> yeah, we've lost that. Like, the the big-time 
chances to improve a roster are the draft and free agency period um, when teams are all trying to aggressively make their moves. And, you know, shedding that first-round pick for next year right now to, to do what? Because you're not getting value. Yeah, but you, they can get cap <laughs> compliant very easily. They can send Tristan Jari down. And if someone claimed him, who gives a shit? I know some people aren't going to like to hear that, but he's 24 years old, and even his AHL numbers, he had 915 last year. But he got drafted like six years ago. Yeah. This isn't isn't like one of these 20-year-old Carter Hart things going on. Yeah, but they've already committed to the Smith for three years anyway. So you might as well just send Jerry down. And you've still got... And if you lose him for nothing, yeah, that's not ideal. I get that. But at the same time, okay, your goaltending situation is going to be this for the foreseeable future. Um, the Matt Murray contract, um, that'll be a whole different thing that we talk about, but I don't yeah. see them not signing him. So we can bitch and moan or applaud the contract to come, but he's going to be a Penguin. They're not going to trade yeah. him. They're not going to not sign him. DeSmith is signed for, you said, three years? Yeah, he's three so years. So the goaltending he's... situation is whatever. You you shop Jari, and if nobody bites, then that's his value. Yeah, correct. So if you really need to be cap compliant, you send Jari down. So with the fact that really they're not that up against it to try and get cap compliant, they well, should the just other keep option Daniel... is. Well, sorry. Um, no, no, I was just yep. going to say. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, the the thing with the, there's no rush to get rid of Jack Johnson. Then there's no rush to add something to it to remove him. I mean, he was the addition to the Phil Kessel trade to Minnesota that Kessel nixed. So you know they were already trying to get rid of him. Yeah, and Victor was Rask just... was coming back, which was no you know treat. No, correct. So the other option that I was thinking of, somebody like Chad Ruedel. They let him rot in the press box for, like, months at a time. John Marino is somebody that is uh, eligible to pass through waivers without being claimed. They stash Marino down in Wilkes-Barre, which is fine to start the year, uh, even if they really like him, which they appear to like him. You can drop him down, save that roster spot, save that seven hundred grand. And know that in your back pocket you have a Ruedel replacement. I don't think I could say that many times in a row fast. (laughs) (laughs) Ruedel replacement. Okay. Um, That's one easy way you could just move forward without forcing uh, a Johnson trade right now. I, I just think the timing of this Johnson trade news is just... Another example of being having no direction with Jim Rutherford. Because why now? What, did you just figure out he sucks? I don't... In, in September? Really? That's I... Oh, you went through camp and you're like, oh boy, 
he looks worse than last year. And it's like, well, no, he's actually kind of the same. So here's just, my I problem. Try look, I try to look at it from the coaching staff point of view. Have they suddenly gone, oh, we want to play, we want to break out completely differently and Johnson cannot handle, like, I'm trying to rationalize it and there's, I can't find nothing. a rationalization there's for nothing. it. He's yeah, the same correct. player he's been for a decade. And the frustrating part about this, the timing of shedding, like, assuming, okay, so Brian Russ could be a sweetener for all we know. Don't like that. Well, you know, it is what it is. Brian Russ, fine. He's fine. I have no problem with him on the team. Losing him at the um, to get Jack Johnson off the team, I could think of worse things. Yeah, true. But the but it goes back to the problem. Now you have this cap space. What? It, now what? What are you going to wait till the deadline when everything's overpriced? Not only that, you you've thinned out your depth and what yeah, your you strength you is like... forward depth. Yeah. And and here's the other problem. Yes, not having Johnson, like I don't need to rehash how how bad I think he is. And that he totally fucked Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel over, and he's a poison pill to everybody he plays with. Like, that is for sure. But if you're going to put Yuso Rikola there, his numbers were as bad or worse than Jack Johnson. Now, mind you, he doesn't make 3.25 mil, and you can easily get rid of him. But my point is, the on-ice product's still not going to be sparkling for defense, and if Rust is involved, you have um, kind of taken away from your big strength, which is forward depth. Now, Rust has not been traded, so this is a little bit of a straw man argument. It hasn't happened yet. So I'm just trying to run through some potential... Um, when Darren Dreger says, uh, you know, a sweetener... I mean, what would teams want? Jack Johnson is a known commodity. He stinks. (laughs) It's going to take a first-round pick or a Brian Rust. I'll tell you what, the best way that Rutherford can get out of this with um, minimal damage up to this point as possible is if Jari was the, the sweetener. I would, I would say even if it was DeSmith that was the sweetener, and Jerry ended up being the backup, that that would be more likely. I think if you were a team grabbing both of those, yeah, I know that the cap hits higher taking it away, but it's all dependent on what's coming back or how much is retained. That's as such well. a shitty sweetener to take on one of the worst fucking dog shit players in the league. I know. I know. It's but, it, yeah. I can't see how he gets out of it. I can't see any team that would deliberately bail Pittsburgh out like teams did for Chicago when they just managed to bail themselves out every time off a back on Tampa, and we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, but here's the other part about the trading Johnson now that's so infuriating to me. There were some really cool opportunities for the Penguins over the summer if they had not signed Brandon Tanev. So I want to be clear about Brandon Tanev as he scored a goal last night, and I'm sure 
people that love designing are like, see, told you. <laughs> well, you're right. He's with Gensel and Crosby, and it's a preseason game. He certainly scored. Uh, very nice tip. No complaints about the play. Um, he's he's not worth 3.5 mil for fucking six years. You could find another scrub to do that work. And they paid a premium for that. So that's over six mil between Johnson and him, yes? Yeah. Nikita Gusov was fucking given away. You don't want to take a chance on that for 4.5 mil. Penguins no, could that, they that's your problem. They were they, out of the they, game. You look at almost everything that Rutherford signs, they're known commodities. You've got a solid sample Oh, his signings are dog shit. But and the, all that, his trades not... lately are to undo dog shit. The, the thing is, though, it's like you said, take a chance on Gusev. It's almost like he thinks they're in a win-now window. The only things we can obtain to make this window roll on, which getting shorter, obviously, because he's not taking any chances on, on cheap, young talent. Like, everything he signs is, is past everyone's peak performance and then pays a premium for that of whatever that rate is on that player. And like, even their peak was shit. Yeah, but, but it's, a, it's a known level of shitness. You know what you're getting with that player every time you bring him in. It's, it's not like with Gusev, you, you're bringing in a guy that you go, look, he may tank us. Well, he may tank his position, not the entire team. But you know what? The ceiling what could be absolutely ridiculous. That, I know, but you go, where are you going to play? You're going to play the top two lines you're going to get into play against, two of the top centers that have been in the league for the last 12 years. You got these people in a circle jerk over Brandon Tanev. You don't think Gusev could jump up on those lines and do something? Correct. And that's the bit that I don't understand. And it's like, I don't know whether it's a coach thing, whether the coach doesn't want to have guys come in and, and have no idea, because you look at some of the younger guys that have sort of shown a bit of a spark at times through the year, they don't seem to get the minutes to be able to find out whether they can or can't do the job. So it's almost like this entire management and, and coaching staff only want to deal with commodities that they know and play safe. Well, and, Rutherford and, definitely knows Jack Johnson drafted him number three overall. Oh, it's just it's just frustrating. But it doesn't end at Gusev. The next player I'll bring up is a little bit more difficult because you don't know what his true motives were. But Carolina sure as hell got a steal with Jake Gardner. Oh, that one... Yeah, oh, that hurt when that got so <laughs> Yeah, it hurt for a lot of teams. Um, if I'm the Sabres, I'm like, shit. But I don't know if he would have signed in Pittsburgh. Maybe it was either Toronto or something really low-key, but it's still a good team. Although I do think Pittsburgh does fit the low-key bill. I think Phil did just fine in Pittsburgh. Gardner would be second-pairing defenseman and not have to do everything... Chris Letang just takes all the load off Gardner. That's the thing. Well, Chris Letang and Dumoulin take that. Schultz, yeah. Gardner, fine. Okay, now that, that would be fun to watch, mainly because both of them have their interesting flaws. And no, Gardner's are flaws. overblown. Gardner's but, are, they happened in really big moments that were really obvious, but his larger sample, pretty good. Now, there is no, the no, back just, injury stuff, but... For four mil, like, yeah, you shitting me? 
You traded for Eric and Branson. Yeah. Even if it was five mil to entice him to Pittsburgh, okay. Um, and then on a much more milder note, uh, somebody like uh, Kevin Shattenkirk to play bottom pairing minutes for dirt cheap as opposed to an Eric Goodbranson. And this is knowing that Goodbranson's underlying numbers as a Penguin have been just fine. But you're paying a premium for just fine in a bottom pairing role. And we are going to find out how good Marcus Pedersen is. So in hindsight, Rutherford probably should get some kudos for the Pedersen trade, um, potentially. Well, you're right. This year's the make or break for both the team and the player. <laughs> really? I, I know some people wanted, uh, in some of the complaints about the this Johnson trade him now thing is, okay, you're going to trade him now? Why didn't you trade him earlier in the summer and sweeten the pot so you could sign Pedersen? Kind of like on a Mata deal. Probably not that expensive, but... Get him locked in before, if he has a great year. But my argument the whole time was, who cares? Get him as cheap as possible for this one year and, and figure it out later. Because forward, it was going to come at the expense of forward depth, and that's your strength. I don't have yeah. a problem with the one-year deal on the cheap. I actually think that helps the team the most. Well, he's an RFA. Because you can so... still get rid of Gabranson later. Try to at least. Um, <laughs> we're, it will be interesting to see because Pedersen with Goodbranson was um, analytically good pairing. Goodbranson having four hundred and close to five hundred games of shit. Well, not all five hundred. He had some stretches of okay play in Florida, I believe. Not not big stretches, but there were so some clips. My question there is, like, you know, we've theorized that Pedersen's going to play with Schultz, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, like... I'm all for what it. Kind yep. of, what kind of sample size with Good Branson, if he is if he is what he's normally been through his career, do you then go, holy crap, we need to bring Pedersen back to Good Branson because they worked as a pair? No, no, no. No. You just deal, you just deal with the fact that that bottom pairing is, is going to be is terrible? Some... Yes, fuck yeah. Yeah, no, no that's fine. That, that, that was literally how I was thinking about it. It's like, I, I, I get there and I just, I don't trust, I don't trust this coaching staff, I suppose, to, to sort of look at certain things and make changes. And I feel like they get there and go, here are our three pairings, this is how we're going to deploy them, and we're going to deploy them like that for the rest of the year. Injuries pending. Yeah, there's nothing kind of... special about their coaching staff. I don't think there's anything about them that screams bad either i it just it's like the deal with a lot of coaching staffs that the, they're fine and player driven you know what i mean yeah, i suppose if you don't have the players you can't really do much can you <laughs> to a certain extent yes i mean there are certain things you can do is maximize your deployment and if you're talking about you know, shaming Evgeny Malkin into thinking he was bad last year. What well, seems to have worked. It. I'm not saying he didn't train his ass off this year because he was shamed into that, but he was shamed into it. And he really wasn't all that bad last year. Guess who sucked 
and dro- <laughs> dragged him down. Yeah, I mean, I give me a break. So giving him Pedersen and Schultz, I and and Schultz is one of those. He's only as good as his deployment, and putting him with Johnson after a huge ankle injury was a dumbass move, and it got dumbass results. And that's that's what worries me in in regards to deployment is that it feels like. You and I, and a lot of Penguins fans, look at the game very differently to what the coaching staff do. And it just gets frustrating to watch, particularly when you can see that they have to maximise as much as they can out of their top six, basically because that's where all the wins are, and maybe a bit of Matt Murray. But if you're not if you're not maximising that top six... Well, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And it just felt like they went, all right, so if we just spread the bad out, we're not going to get burnt severely by our bottom six forwards and our bottom pairing defensemen. And I just don't think that works. There are a lot of bottom pairing defensemen or pairs in the league that aren't very good. Yeah. And and that's okay. Like... It's not okay to pay one of them four million dollars, but ignore ignore the cost. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, at this point, it's sunken cost, and I don't want Good Branson with Pedersen playing big minutes. I want Justin Schultz to do what he did the other night. His um, shot to Tanev, and and you know, I think Tanev is not a bad player per se. It's a it's horrible contract, an yeah. unneeded luxury. He's going to do some okay things, and that preseason goal was an example of him doing that. Schultz, though, getting that slapper, aiming for his stick, getting that tip goal, and then um, I'm pretty sure he had another assist that night. Getting Schultz going is important to this team's yeah. success. And we can talk about what to do with him long-term. And quite frankly, I think it's don't sign him long-term. Yeah. I think you're really asking for trouble. I think this is one of those situations where it goes back to prior to the Kessel trade. I was like, put him with Kessel and get Subban. That was a big part of it because I knew either – so here's the deal with Schultz. He has a bounce back, quote unquote, bounce back year playing with Pedersen because his deployment's better. And he starts asking for Justin Falk money or more. Or he's bad again and it, that doesn't help shit. No. And guess who else is in that same boat? Alex Galchenyuk. That, that's another reason why I hated the Kessel trade. One, because Phil is still good. Two, Galchenyuk is fine. But here's the problem with him with an expiring contract. Kessel had team control for a few years. Galchenyuk is a pending free agent. Either he underachieves, which sucks, obviously, because you're running out <laughs> of years to compete. Or he's, like, I doubt he's as productive as 82 points, right? 
That would seem extreme. No. That's his bar. That is literally his bar, as far as I'm concerned. If he doesn't hit 82 points, as far as I'm concerned, in this win now window, it's been a shitty trade. Whether they keep him or not, post that is a different conversation. But for him to make this trade worth it, it has to be an 82 or more season, and I don't feel like that's going to happen. At least, okay. So if he's in even like high 60s which i think is not pushing it now he's looking for money in term then what do you do that's you're in a bad spot there too no matter what happens the galchenyuk thing is like a not a cool spot to be in so now you got two players schultz and galchenyuk where you're like ugh, what the hell do we do and it's just poor planning in my opinion. It, it, it's where the... This is where you start to see the squeeze on the Hornquist sort of a deal. And and the, the length of the Tenev deal. Honestly, sort of I haven't even given him much thought yet. And... Yeah. Yeah, that... I mean, it's not surprising I'm, that his I, I, cap hits in question of being maybe... Suspect value. Well, that was from day one. It was funny. I think it was Bob Grove who sent out a tweet about Hornquist and Bukestad playing together last year, and Bukestad only scored one even strength goal in quite a few minutes that he played with Hornquist, and, and that's Hornquist's biggest thing is that he doesn't score at even strength. Well, he can. It just, he needs an elite center and an okay other skating winger to literally do all the transition work. I just... I I will say, from an expected goals and possession standpoint, Simone, Bugstead, Hornquist, uh, with the minutes that they were given, those, those numbers were really good. Yeah. I don't care if they don't score as long as they don't get scored on. As a third line. Like, I really don't. Because I trust Malcolm and Crosby's lines to do a majority of the scoring. If if Bukestad's line chips in, I'm stoked. Um, the other thing with the Penguins was trying uh, Dominic Simone at center, which he was at, uh, with, with Czech at the World Championships with uh, high success. Small sample. Um... Making potentially Bugstad um, a player that they could maybe move on from. You know, I I I I liked that they were looking at that because I, I I'm not like anti Bugstad, but I guess the word that I come up with every time for Bugstad is meh. Underwhelming. It's just meh. It's not anything. So you can't really vanilla. pay 4.1 mil just, for meh. It's just melted vanilla ice cream. You're okay, going to get your bad. sugar rush. You're going to get your sugar rush sometimes, but like the whole time you're consuming it, you're like, I could be doing better than this. What, <laughs> what, am, I, what am I doing here? But But the ice cream also costed, like, it wasn't a value. 
So it could be an, you know, it could be an his interesting metrics aren't Penguins terrific, fan. and and I'm not saying the trading Broussard for McCann and Bugstad and a third was a bad trade. Um, it, it's just not a, a great situation. I don't that know. had gotten toxic with that player. The fact that they got back what they did is not a bad effort. But like and, you said, the end result of what's happening in Pittsburgh hasn't been fantastic. Yeah, the, the Broussard trade... It didn't work, um, but I, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna complain about that trade. It made sense. Yeah, that was one of the ones that made sense and didn't work out. So, for all the people that think I will criticize Rutherford over everything, it's 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 not true. I think uh, some some of the stuff he did and it didn't work and it made sense but a lot of it since 2017 has not made sense and not worked and that's the frustration so yeah no i can understand that we are rather critical but um so listener question pittsburgh related before we move on jordan faulkner jordan 16 faulkner while it may be too early to say definitively, do you guys feel Pittsburgh will need to add another top six forward via trade this season? Um, do you have an opinion on that? If anybody can add a top six forward, you try and do it. It's just I don't know how they go about it without giving up one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not so... re- you just you ch- like it's one of those things where if you could manage to get rid of Hornquist for a different style of top six forward, I, I would say yes. Um, but that might just be my... I don't like the way he plays as such. And you can make an argument that you need a guy like him bashing and crashing everywhere, but I just don't think he gets enough actual production for what he does. So I can't see them adding another one. I could see them swapping, as in changing a player, but I, I just can't see them being able to add someone... What are they, I don't know how they're going to combine the cap hits to, to be able to make it happen with the way the roster is constructed. Um, I think it just goes back to my frustration about the Gusev stuff. Yeah. And that was an opportunity to get a top six forward for a cheap acquisition cost and a respectable cap hit. And the other problem that I see here... Um, is that, yes, I do think they may need another top six forward, and yes, I know that everybody's looking, hey, yeah, we want another top six forward. But they have a lot of what I would consider tweeners plugged in trying to get top six production from right now. Like the way the roster's built. One, they're trying Brandon Tanev on the top lines um, exclusively. In the preseason, Dominic Cahun, Cahun has looked rather blah so far, but preseason is preseason, so we'll see. Um, but that's a risk to be a top six person. Jared McCann, you know, another risk for top six winger. Uh, Patrick Hornquist at this stage of his career, another risk for a top six winger. 
Um, they're banking on some of these guys showing some consistency. Brian Rust, another tweener. Like they don't have a many bona fide top six wingers. They have Jake Gensel. I suppose it's, it's and, one of those... and hopefully Alex Galchenyuk. So if you look at it in that context, you go out of the six top the six top six roster spots, they've got three covered off. So they're praying that that Malcolm and Crosby can do what they've done most of their career. Well, they will. I, they're not, not done yet. Don't raise. Don't get hurt. Yeah. Raise the production of some of these other guys to a point where you go, that's acceptable for a top six winger. And if they can manage that, then but then they... Pittsburgh's pay, paid a premium for someone like yes. Tanev. That, and that's that's the problem with the way they've gone about constructing the cap hits that they've produced is that you're not making any savings on these guys by paying them cheap and having Crosby and Malcolm do what they do, which is have the players play above their contract value. Right now, you're as fans, you're praying that Crosby and Malcolm can drag these guys up to get to their contract value, which is in a cap world that doesn't have a luxury tax is completely the wrong way to go about it because you've then got no wiggle room to fill holes elsewhere on your roster. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing with the good Branson and Jack Johnson thing. It's like, if they play up to their contracts, you're stoked, but not because they've outperformed themselves just because you're getting the value out of them that you've paid them for. And, and that's the bit that, that is, it's where you, it's when you look at some of these other teams that sort of come out of nowhere, young players are playing above their contract that they're getting paid. That's always the way it works. It's like when Pittsburgh won with, with Jordan Stahl, he was, he was going to, always going to be up when he was leaving, always going to be an overpaid third line center in, in Pittsburgh. But prior to that, he was playing above his contract value. And that's what you're asking for when you're looking at a championship team. Like St. Louis have a few guys that were playing above their contract value. Yeah. You know, Jacob Verano was playing above his contract value when the Caps won, just as a, an example off the top of my head. It, it just feels like this is constructed backwards. So, transitioning to um, another Penguins question from Coach T, I coach hockey. Summer 2020, Pens have cap space to re-sign their RFAs. Murray, Simone, Cahoon, McCann, Pedersen, but not enough for either UFA, Schultz, or Gilchenyuk. What should they do? What do you think Rutherford will do? <laughs> well, Mur- yeah, well, Murray's going to get 7.5-8. That's where I am with that. Or oh, even as an RFA? The way RFAs are going now? Well, it's actually, yeah, considering what we'll discuss in a minute. Yes, you're right. <laughs> he, he can play that hardball. Absolutely. They've got nothing to fill the hole if he doesn't, so you're right. Yeah. I think seven and a half or eight's fair value. Even though I'm not a big pay goalies money person, but... I was going to say, that's a change of attitude. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do? I know, it is what Uh, it is. Simone, we'll see. I don't think he's going to demand much. Dominic Cahoon, I could see flaming out. Jared McCann, same. Not flame out, but like, okay, you want three and a half mil? Adios. So so they're the guys Uh, that the RFA restriction would probably work on. 
because you can yeah. kind of knuckle down on them. They're not going to move the needle of the team too much. Um, you know, same with, with Pedersen and, and, and Rickler. That, that, well, they might have great years this year, which is fantastic. But you can't see them going, well, you need to pay me X because it will Pedersen really... Pedersen might get the $4 million treatment. Well, that's going to be a struggle for <laughs> for the way this roster is constructed. Justin Schultz, though, I I don't see a long... I, I don't want to be a part of that next contract. The only way I would be a part of that next contract is if it was a two-year deal. And he's not going it's, to ask for a two-year deal at 20... No, that's exactly right. So you sit there and just go, well, this will be the last time we see Schultz. And I'd be curious to know if he has a good year, whether they try to swap him for somebody that's similar under control at the deadline. I would suggest they just write it out. But Yeah, they're going to write it out. Um, yeah, Galchenyuk, I, I already mentioned, like you're between a rock and a hard place. Um, you know, this... This question's tough to answer in September before the season's done, before we see the samples. Contract years do shape people's um, opinions. But, um, yeah. I think Murray's obviously going to get solid money, even as an RFA. Dominic Simone will be interesting, but I don't think he's going to come close to... Put it this way. Brian Russ got three and a half mil. Connor Sherry got what he got. And um, that was a, a cup tax. Yeah. So Simone, well, maybe they'll win it all this year. They're trading Johnson. It's <laughs> um, he's not going to break the bank. Dominic Cahoon, I, I don't know. We'll see. Jared McCann, not tons of leverage. Patterson's probably got the most leverage, believe it or not, out of any of them. Well, he gets himself put into a good spot. You're exactly Other than right. Murray. You know, he could he could play himself into, you know, retirement money, really, which is so, good. That concludes the Penguins' corner. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, so Braden Point, three years, 6.75 mil. And this comes on the heels of Mitch Marner extorting Kyle Dubas. Um, <laughs> we, we are Kyle Dubas uh, fans on the podcast, I think. Yes. Like, like his approach, but negotiating high-end contracts has not been a strength. Uh, it's been an interesting one. You know. Austin Matthews getting a five-year deal. Not great for paying him big time. Mitch Marner, I mean, I'm all for the player getting what they want, but as far as Toronto's concerned, like, ouch. That's a big-time contract. Yep. Uh, but I will say this to Dubas's credit. I'd rather overpay those guys, and and his strength is getting value out of the margins, than to give Tanev, Goodbranson, Johnson, 
Hornquist yeah. money. Yep. But talking about point. Six point seven five mil for three years. Pretty great. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's I can't say it's too much amazing yeah. that Tampa just keeps doing it. Kucherov has a dog shit contract as an RFA, as a UFA. Like Kucherov way under they get Stamkos to sign. Um, Headman's fine. Like, all their money people are ridiculous. It gives them a chance to screw up elsewhere. But they didn't. They got Shattenkirk instead of Girardi. Yeah. Right? Girardi's gone, no? Yeah, yeah. Did he sign yeah. somewhere? I thought he retired. Did he? Oh. I, th- I thought he. I could be. I could be wrong there. Uh, I, I, I thought he did five years ago, but. <laughs> um. The, the, oh my God, the Braden Point thing. Like, are you kidding me? With this, no, none of you other GMs even have a pulse. It's not about if you're going to get the player. And here's the thing. I'm going to draw back to the first RFA offer sheet in a long time. Sebastian Ajo. Everybody made fun of the Canadians for offering that, right? Because Carolina's obviously going to match. Yeah. I do think there was a little bit of a clever maneuver by the Canadians front-loading that money, knowing how cheap Carolina is. But, yes, they were always going to match it. Okay. Why the hell didn't anybody, like, give point an offer sheet like Aho in that eight-point-whatever-million-dollar range, knowing even if he doesn't go to you, you still fuck the lightning over? And why isn't point signing that knowing the lightning are going to match it i don't i don't get i suppose i do get why the office sheets are used but it's well the compensation thing packages are all anti give one but i don't understand like tampa would never let him go for a, a mil and a half above what they just offered him. I suppose. I suppose the teams that have just the assets. Them. No, no. But the thing is, though, the teams that have the assets to give to to do this, it doesn't help them because they're they're not usually in contention. They don't usually have the assets. Like if you're if you're a team that's that's wanting Tampa to get screwed over so that they lose some of their team structure and they become a little a little less, well, they become worse. That might help you beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Those teams don't have the assets to be able to actually even lodge the offer sheet. So I don't why know, would someone like the Sabers? You can't offer eight and a half. But what what good does that do the Sabers? Um, it I know they're in this. I know they're in Tampa matches, the and division. it's that much more. 
I just, I just think that the you teams... called Tampa's bluff, knowing they're going to match. Yeah, just I, like the Carolina Hurricanes laughed at the Canadians. I agree with you. I just think that the teams that would want to try and do that don't have the assets to be able to actually lodge a legal offer sheet to make it happen. All it takes is one. Ain't one of you out there? You know Tampa's like a top three cup favorite every damn year. You don't want to fuck them over? Like, play a little chess. It's the gentleman's handshake, Garby. They've gotten so many freaking breaks. Yeah, I know. Because nobody wants to... And then Ottawa, the fucking piece of shit nobodies of the league. (laughs) We'll take Callahan. That's the bit that I don't get. I don't get how these GMs bail other GMs out. Which is sort of the hope, going back to Johnson, that's kind of the hope you have for Rutherford, is that some idiot GM bails bails him out for it. But I, I don't understand. How is it the Tampa get away with it? It's like when Chicago kept managing to get rid of their contracts when they needed to. Uh, maybe we'll trade Johnson for Chabot. Shabbat, Chabot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the point signing's great, and that, like you said, an offer sheet there from any team with their assets to to launch it would have put them in a little bit of cap, well, a severe bit of cap hell, to be honest. But that gentleman's handshake, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't want it done to me. That garbage, it's just. Nah. Come on, Braden. Braden, you saw Mitch pull his shit. Come on, come on. <laughs> have some respect for yourself you're better than that you're just as good actually yeah um which which brings us to another listener question if i can find it uh tyler durden five three seven contracts aside who would you rather have long term point or marner oh that's a tough one I'd rather, I'd rather point, I think. I was leaning that way, too, just because of the whole center dynamic. Exactly my thought. <laughs> That's and all. the fact he's willing to not get paid as much, even though you wanted us to ignore contracts aside. It's <laughs> tough to do in a cap league. Um, I I think Mitch Marner is a great player. Um it, it's a rough second contract for the Leafs, but and I just made fun of Point for taking his contract. But if, if you t- strip the contracts aside, they're both undersized, waterbug, highly skilled players, and um, I very much enjoy watching them both play. I think that it's just the center thing i think i might lean towards point yeah that's all it is for me it's it's easier to drive a lion's production from the center position than it is from the wing man has shown no opportunity or willingness to play center so that that's the coin flip decision you know what i mean it's like oh i've got to pick one or the other it's a pretty small one but i would take point based on that yeah they're both awesome yeah so what are you going to do um, so quickly moving on, Matt, Matt Kachuk, three years, seven mil, great player, great team contract in my opinion. 
Yeah, they've done well there, Calgary. He's he's a great winger. Um, really good player. Very very um, very good. Um, does some questionable things time <laughs> to time, right? Sounds like he's dead. Yeah. So. I don't know. There's not much to add other than I think he's a highly talented player, has a great impact on the game in a positive way. Um, and, you know, classic RFA contract, like not of the Mar- uh, Marner variety, but, you know, you get your bridge deal. This is the modern bridge deal. And... Um, you know, the Flames can figure out his crazy extension later. It feels like this is the Flames' year to kind of go for it, if you know what I mean. Like, they got a whole heap of UFAs coming up at the end of this season. Um, Giordano, who, who you make the argument, him or Hannafin are their best defensemen. Um, Giordano will be 36 at some point through the year. Um, it's... It's an interesting... Coming off of Norris. No, no, no. I'm, I'm well aware of that. But the way he plays and the position he plays, it's one of those things where I get terrified for guys like him that it's just suddenly going to fall apart on them. I mean, you hope it doesn't. Um, and it's literally just because he's so physical and how he plays. All of a sudden, the game just gets too quick for him. And because of the volume of minutes he plays, he, he'll just get exposed. And, and that might not happen until he retires. But at 30, you know, he's 35 now. You still get to the end of it. It just get it. It's more and more likely to happen, and you just hope that it's not this year, particularly for Calgary. Correct. Um, I don't have much more to add on that. I think it's a good sign. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Blues, Justin Falk. That's not a good signing. No, it's not. The trade. At least the Ducks got bailed out of their stupidity. Well done, Carolina, for getting rid of him. Andre Cache um, staying in Anaheim. Um, Edmondson goes the other way. What else went the other way? I don't even have this. Oh, I had it up before. Whatever. I'll talk about Falk. Um, Falk, he's one of those guys that everybody talks about as being okay, but or good to very good, and he's just kind of okay, maybe. I and to invest in him like this yeah, is crazy. I, I I get there, and it worries me when you hear people say, "Oh, he's there for protection if Petrangelo goes," and I'm like, you can't compare the two of and Pareko. <laughs> yeah. They're loaded on the right side. Uh, yeah, but you, you, when you you hear them say, "Oh, in case Pietrangelo decides to walk, he's the he's the backup," but I'm like, "Sorry, you, you say what now? Like that that's not going to work. If you give that's, Fork his minutes, yeah, he's not the backup. If you give if you give Fork his minutes, you're just setting yourself up to fail." Um, Corey Schneider, who tracks all of this shit and. Carolina's his team. I mean, the growing theme that I saw from Corey tweeting out his hurricane games over the year, he would always be very frustrated with Falk. Yeah. And, you know, 
for those of you that say watch the game nobody watches the game more than Corey fucking schneider tracking this shit so get the fuck out of here he watches like too much hockey you should have to watch as much hockey as Corey does. And he is not a big fan of Justin Falk from what I gather on Twitter. And yes, that did shape my opinion because I fell into the, oh, he's probably okay. And But when Corey started tweeting out and then I would watch Hurricane games, I'm like, yep, okay, yeah. Um, you can so yeah. rarely will I go against him. He um, he's a great hockey resource, one of the best out there. So I mean, I just think this contract is. I don't think this the signing's not going to hurt them in the sense of it's going to stop them from defending their their cup. It just screws them further on down the track. That's all. And I, they didn't have a, like the flip for him and Edmondson. It's like it doesn't really move the needle. So I don't. Well, they think... had a lot of things going right even during their run. Yeah, I don't think they're like an elite Western team. No, I but... just think they they were they were they played great during the stretch. Um, but Bennington's is still a question mark. Well, I can go back. It's to... not a for sure thing. They can go back to Allen. Oh, hang on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, they could. It, it legitimately feels like what they changed... They fucking their, hate their fans. What changed their season was literally flipping their goalies. And Bennington played out of his skin in all of that time. And O'Reilly playing amazing. Not that he's not a very good player, but I do think O'Reilly was pretty close to the ceiling, if not the ceiling, for his powers. What he can possibly do, yeah. I just, it, it's just, but he was very good. It, it's just one of those things where this sport is seasons can be saved via a goalie, or, or can be destroyed via a goalie. And, and Bennington did that for this team when they switched, and, and that's that's pretty obvious in in that sense. Um, and then obviously everyone got going, and O'Reilly went nuts. So yeah, if he falls back to average. Or slightly above average, do they still have the the same quality team? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I've got nothing to add on the Falk trade, and I think that will do it for the week. Yeah, I think that's fine. Busy so, week. Yeah, um, week away from the season. Um, you know, Penguins don't appear to have a finalized roster, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But it's nice to have uh, real hockey coming back because uh, those August and September months are pretty rough. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. So, If you are looking for something to watch, though, the AFL Grand Final is tomorrow. Oh, so that's okay. Friday. That would be... Probably midnight, your time, Friday night. Okay. I would say. So if you're looking for something that would make no sense to a lot of people, go for that. Well, I might just do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, rate us on your podcast things and 
read my stuff on Hockey Buzz, and we'll see you next time. Catch you guys. See you.